Hello, everyone, and welcome to our latest Regulation Tomorrow podcast. I'm Simon Lovegrove, and today I'm joined by Matthew Gregory of Council in our London Financial Services team, who will share his views on the government's recent response to its November 2021 consultation on bringing buy now, pay later further into the regulatory mainstream. Matt, great to have you here. And to start with, for those not familiar with the government's response, can you briefly describe its proposals as regards scope? What types of credit agreement will come within the regulatory perimeter? Yeah, of course. Thanks, Simon. Um, So for those of you who had tracked the earlier consultation, you know that a distinction was made between BNPL and what was referred to as short-term interest-free credit. Uh, On the other hand, the first consultation from Treasury uh, explained that BNPL agreements would be brought within scope of regulation, but there was a question as to the extent to which uh, agreements known as short-term interest-free credit agreements would also be brought within scope of regulation. And in in broad terms, a distinction was made really between uh, BNPL, which uh, tended to be lower value uh, agreements uh, where there's often an account-based relationship with the provider on the one hand, and then short-term interest-free credit on the other, um, which was typically provided by merchants, but not always, and and often tended to be for a higher value where there was no account-based relationship. The response to consultation from Treasury on scope uh, has concluded that both Buy, buy now pay later agreements provided by third party lenders obviously but also short term interest free credit agreements provided by third party lenders should also be within scope it appears from the response to consultation that where short term interest free credit agreements are provided by merchants they may also be within scope where they're provided at a distance for example uh, and that's really because the risk of consumer harm observed in connection with bnpl agreements Um, is perceived to exist in connection with those other agreements as well. They share certain uh, structural similarities. Uh, But there is, of course, this possibility that uh, the merchant-provided short-term interest-free credit agreements, which are in store, would remain outside scope of regulation going forwards. There are a number of areas uh, of the sector, uh, the sector at large, which will remain outside scope of regulation. Invoicing in particular is, is key here, where there are deferred payment terms, I think the Treasury is mindful of the wider role in the economy that that type of financing provides. So to a degree, I think on scope, there's um, still a little bit of uncertainty as to exactly where the perimeter will be drawn. But those are the high level points from a provider perspective. Just just very briefly on merchants, um, the response to consultation has concluded that merchants should, broadly speaking, remain outside scope of regulation as credit brokers, which will obviously be welcome news um, for that part of the sector. Thanks, Matt. That's very helpful. Um, For my second question, um, those firms that find themselves within the regulatory perimeter, they'll be subject to requirements under both the Consumer Credit Act 1974 and also the FCA's Consumer Credit Sourcebook. Can you just say a few words about this? Yeah, absolutely, Simon. And uh, just on the CCA itself, a couple of early points, I suppose. One is that we heard uh, very recently that Treasury is now commencing the much anticipated review of the Consumer Credit Act. So um, although we don't have very much detail at this stage, what does appear to be clear from the early statements from Treasury is that the intention in broad terms is to move many of the requirements which currently sit in the CCA over to the FCA handbook. That's the first point. The second is that um, pursuant to the powers which Treasury took quite recently in legislation, there is um, an intention that CCA requirements in some cases will be tailored towards BNPL agreements going forwards. 
This is really important in order to deliver a, what's, what's being referred to as a proportionate regulatory regime. It is accepted by Treasury if you think back to those uh, exchanges between John Glenn, the Economic Secretary to the Treasury, and, and Chris Woolard uh, way back last year, which kicked off this review of the BNPL sector, that the overall regulatory framework for BNPL should be proportionate um, and should not uh, stymie the important role which the, the, the sector plays in the overall economy. So um, with that in mind, some of the CCA requirements, for example, around form and content of agreements um, are likely to be tailored. On the consumer credit source book itself, uh, it, just just one point again on that. At the moment, there are quite bespoke. There are some bespoke requirements for regulated BMPL, which currently sit in the in the handbook as a result of the work the FCA has done over recent years to address perceived consumer detriment um, around point of sale. So, I, the point you make is a good one that they'll that there will at least in the short to medium term, once this new regime is introduced, be a combination of requirements uh, through the CCA application and also the consumer credit source book. But in the kind of medium to longer term, there will probably be a move towards these requirements sitting in the FCA handbook, in the consumer credit source book in all likelihood. Um, but the, the detail on that, I suppose, remains to be seen. Thanks, Matt. As ever in our world, the devil is in the detail. Um, as my third question, um, I know that you've been looking at the government's response and are there any nuggets in there which may not be immediately apparent to firms? I mean, th there's quite a lot packed away in there, isn't there? I mean, I, I suppose I might just draw out the, the role of the FOS and Section 75 of the CCA um, on both of those areas, which I think it's fair to say you know, industry participants have had mixed views on, depending on the particular role that they have at the moment in the sector. Um, you know, the HM Treasury has has opted for, I suppose, greater inclusion of regulatory requirements in the sense that the FOS jurisdiction will apply. Now, uh, there is a, you know, that's a sensitive issue, I think, for some market participants, given the case fees versus the typical uh, amount lent under BNPL agreements. So um, I, I could, you know, you can see in the in the response to consultation, Treasury effectively saying, look, the FOS, FOS jurisdiction and the way that the FOS approaches matters is a matter for the FOS. Um, I think industry participants will be keen to hear uh, of the ways in which Treasury will work with the FOS to ensure that this, quotes proportionate regulatory regime applies in connection with that jurisdiction. And then I suppose on Section 75, that's a really important piece of consumer protection. I don't think it's a great surprise, really, that that will be extended to BNPL, um, and it will provide consumers with important consumer protection rights going forwards. Thank you, Matt. And there's my final question. Um, whilst there is still some way to go, including that legislation won't be made until next summer, what should a buy now, pay later firm within scope of the proposals be doing now? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question, isn't it? I mean, this is a market which is incredibly dynamic and, and it's moving all the time in the UK and elsewhere in Europe. A lot of uh, commentators are referring to BNPL as ushering in the end of the credit card from a payments perspective. You know, it, it's a really exciting development in the sense of data flows and information and, and the way in which BNPL providers sort of own the customer relationship in, in a way that, um, you know, participants in the existing payment systems possibly don't. So um, lots of change here. So amongst all of that change and, uh, you know, new regulation coming in connection with open finance, smart data and so on, um, firms would be well advised, I think, to keep a close eye on the direction of travel here because it will in all likelihood require a, an FCA authorization for those firms which aren't currently authorized. For those which are authorized, um, really the impact will depend on the particular business models being run. So for a number of lenders 
there is a uh, already a degree of application of uh, regulatory requirements even to unregulated agreements because of the synergies which that offers for business models. I think it's worth looking at the detail of this to see where the gaps might be. Um, there will be a need not just to get authorization, but clearly, you know, thinking back to the, the perceived consumer detriment, which, which may exist in the market, as observed by the Woolard Review, affordability requirements and the way in which lenders interact with the credit reference agencies in particular is a real focus. And Treasury note that actually quite a lot of work is being done in connection with the, uh, the relationship with the CRAs and reporting at the moment. So um, I do think not only focusing on authorization, what that will mean and how to achieve that most uh, effectively, but also thinking about the operational requirements that the new regulatory regime is likely to to mean for firms uh, regulated and unregulated. Thank you Matt that's really helpful thanks ever so much for joining us today and that concludes this podcast further information on this topic will be found on our briefing note which we will be issuing shortly and we will also be tracking developments on our regulation tomorrow blog. Many thanks for listening goodbye. <laughs>